welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. I'm going to turn to God's Word today and uh, to the book of Philippians chapter 3 and Paul the Apostle um, talks to the church at Philippi, which was in, uh, in Macedonia, which is north of Greece, and he talks about one thing, one thing that our life is measured by, that our life is motivate, motivated by, and that's the cause of Jesus Christ. We, with Jen now, um, we want to build debt-free. The project it will be in the neighborhood of $1 million dollars. Our leadership has committed uh, 705000 at our Lead the Way banquet. The, you've seen the youth and what they've done and the kids. And I gave you an illustration or an example of one of the kids that gave all of his birthday money. That's really big. I can tell you that. And we thank God for it. Um, today, we want, to, we want to go over the top so that as we run this race, um, that we will run unencumbered, unhindered, and that we can build this thing debt-free. That's what God has put in my heart. God's put that in my heart because I believe, I know that the finances for this are here in this building. I know that. There was a word from the Lord last week that came and was handed to me. Um, I, I got it on Monday that said that God spoke to them to say that this is not a hard thing for God. Praise God. This is not a hard thing for God. This is not a hard thing for God. God wants us to prove His faithfulness. The only difficulty or hard thing will be what God challenges us is the struggle that we have inside of whether we will say yes to the Lord or not. But this is not a hard thing for God. Fifteen years ago, there was a vision of this that I was not made aware of also until just this past week. How many are getting the idea that the pastors sometimes get things, I'm the last in the communication loop? But the vision was after Friendship Hall was built, that was phase two, that um, Marilyn McAvoy and uh, some others were there and God showed her a vision 15 years ago, and really it was just built then, of the end wall being pushed out. And as the walls were pushed out, that the children and youth would come streaming in. And all this time, God had put that in her heart. And without my knowing it, God has chosen this time and this generation to fulfill that and I had no idea this was going on. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? God is good. Praise His name. And so as we uh, move forward today in this, I want to encourage you that we respond by faith to what the Lord has laid out for us. In the book of Philippians, uh, just a couple of things about this to give you a background for it. Um, 
you can read about this, this, how this all started in Acts, the 16th chapter. And Paul was on a missionary journey, and he received in the night a vision of a man that said, come on over and help us. Come on over and help us. It was called the Macedonian call. And because Paul the apostle responded to the vision and with an obedient heart and a faith of obedience, um, the first converts in Europe came about and there were several churches that were established. That became a beachhead in Europe. Uh, the Philippian church was also known for its very strong and active women. Is there any women that will say amen? Yes. Some of you younger ones, I thought you'd be going crazy over that. All right. Uh, Lydia. Lydia in Acts chapter 16 was a worshiper of God who did not know the gospel of Jesus Christ until Paul went. And when she heard him, she opened her home to him and the party And this is interesting, Acts 16, it said uh, there were several women there and they invited Paul to their home and after some discussion, the scripture simply says this, and the women prevailed. I could have predicted that. The women prevailed. And Philippians is also known for joy and for rejoicing. As he wrote this from prison when it was in Rome, He mentioned these terms over and over and over and over and over. And I believe that God wants to visit us with an outpouring of joy. I believe that we should not reflect the dire situation that this world around us is in. But it's also, there's an emphasis on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more than the good news that Christ came for salvation That salvation, praise be to God, means that we are birthed into the kingdom of God. But the gospel that Paul talks about, about striving for the gospel and the faith of the gospel and working together in the gospel, the gospel is that what we live out in our everyday life. And Paul talks about what God has called him to do in the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He paints a picture of an athlete running a race for the prize in these few verses. And today, as we celebrate on this day, Celebration Sunday, we, Grace Assembly of God, and you as individuals and myself, we are in the race. Our purpose is to fulfill what God has given to us to expand our ministry footprint to reach more, and to build debt-free. Build debt-free. Would you repeat this with me? Build debt-free. So that future generations will not inherit our debt or be encumbered with a baton made of concrete that we hand off to them, but we hand to the next generation the proper baton so they can grip it, but it does not affect how fast and how far that they run. And that's what God has called us to do. There's four things I want to share with you today. One is the surpassing value of Christ Jesus. Paul said this, that I count all things, 
Those things that were gained to me, I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. In your bulletin this morning, there's a section for notes, and I encourage you to take notes and uh, just reflect and... and, um, Use that this week as uh, you do your devotions. The surpassing value of Christ. And we say, Lord, visit us once again and do it once again. Use us once again in you. In the kingdom of God, gains are counted as loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. Paul gave his credentials in the first few verses of Philippians 3. He was a blue blood of blue bloods. He had dual citizenship. He was a citizen of Israel, but a free citizen of Rome. He was trained by Gamaliel. He had the highest of credentials from family, from background, from assignment. He was an outstanding young man that, in fact, he was the one that was so zealous for the law that he was putting to death Christians and imprisoning them. He stood on the sidelines and held the cloaks of those in, I believe it was Acts chapter 8, when Stephen was stoned for the gospel. He stood and he watched that. He approved of that. But thanks be to God in Acts chapter 9, when he was on the road to Damascus, carrying letters and breathing more threats against the church, that God interrupted his life. How many can say, thank God that God interrupts our life? Praise God. God has another plan for us. And so, to Paul, all of this world cannot compare to knowing Christ Jesus. Jesus said that we're to lay up treasures in heaven where thief cannot break in and steal and where moth and rust cannot corrupt. But as we we lay up treasures in heaven, we pay forward, if you would. We put in our heavenly account things that God is able to use on this life to affect people, more people, for eternity. Praise His name. The second thing that Paul said is that I may know Him. That I may know Him. Verses 9, 10, and 11. He said that I may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He said that I may be be found in Christ, not only in heaven, but right now, that this is where He lived. Yesterday, as we were praying and there were, 80-some different individuals that were here. Some stayed for the full four hours. Some took an hour at a time. We prayed in faith and believing and prayed for this day and prayed for you and prayed for so many of the needs that are represented right here on these these green pieces of paper in this generation now uh, cutout that we have. But we had a footprint of the size of of the building that's there, and it was roped off, and we would step inside of that footprint and we would, we would 
give thanksgiving and supplication to the Lord. And one of the young ladies, Rebecca Pavese Clooney, who's married to John, and they had their little son, Alexander. And I saw something in Becca that I hadn't seen before. I just, I love them. I love their family. I've known them since she was like about this high. And, uh, but she prayed and she said this. She prayed and, and she talked with us first. And it reminded me of my mother when she put her foot down. Like, how many know what it means when a mom puts their foot down? It means <laughs> you're not going past this line. She said, my mom and dad came when we were in the high school, and they brought me, and I was just, I was just little. And she came up through the different ministries of grace, through the children's ministries, and then involved in the youth ministries. And so many hands and prayers have touched her life. And she met Jonathan, uh, who also came as just a young boy. And I remember Jonathan at, at See You at the Pole Day, and, and he had a, an aunt, Olga, I think it was, and I'll never forget, I went to one of the polls, uh, see you at the poll day, uh, when they encouraged parents to come, and Olga was storming the gates of heaven, and, uh, uh, but, I, but John grew up, and just a very, a, a young man that loved the Lord, and they met each other, and they went to college, and were in the, in the young adult ministries here, and then they went on to lead the young adult ministries, and John is now on the board at Grace. He's the youngest board member in the history of Grace. But they had that little boy, Alexander. And Becca put her foot down in a spiritual way and basically said, this is where we stand. And our hopes, our prayers, our dreams are that what God did for me, He will be passed on to our son. And they, He will pass it on. You know the Scripture says to the 14th generation, to your children and your grandchildren's, and this is why we're involved in this. And they begin to pray just a powerful prayer of faith. That we may be found in Christ and our children and their children's children. All generations will be found in Christ. Paul said that there is a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Through a saving faith in Christ. But also through an obedience faith in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, are you adding to the gospel? No, I'm not adding to the gospel. Read Romans chapter 4. It said that God had promised to Abraham and Sarah that, that Abraham would be the father of many nations. But God's word says when he was 100 and he looked at Sarah and she was 90 and he looked at his wife and basically he thought physically she's not what she used to be. And I'm sure that Sarah could have said the same thing about old Abe. And, but the Bible says that he did not grow weak in his faith when he considered the body of Sarah, but rather gave glory to God, and he grew strong in his faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness. When we take a step of obedient faith in God, it is counted to us as righteousness. And just as the runner cannot skip any steps in the race, he must run the next step so he can take the succeeding steps if he's ever going to get to the finish line. As we follow the Lord Jesus Christ in saving faith, God gives us opportunities that we must exercise obedience faith because faith without works is dead. And God didn't call you and me just to get saved 
and get into heaven by the skin of our teeth. How many know that? Uh, honest folks, when we stand before God and, and I see my job as a pastor, and that's to prepare Grace Assembly of God to one day, one day as the bride of Christ to meet Jesus Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I want there to be a great celebration. I want us to blow the doors off heaven. How many know what I'm talking about? I want there to be a wide entrance for us as we go in, not going in backwards, but we are going in and because we have loved God and we have pleased God because of obedience faith. Paul said that, he said that I might know the power of his resurrection. And, and in your notes it says that we may experience his power. This is all generations will experience the power of God and know God for themselves because God has no grandchildren. He only has children. So we claim the spirit of Joel 2.28 that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And that's the little kids in hard hats. And that's the teens that we see giving, making this faith commitment and the young adults and, and, and the parents and and the single adults that are here, and then some of us that, uh, that we're not through yet. That's all I can say. We've got some tread on our tire, and we're going to burn it off for the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but the Lord has called us. The Lord has called us that all generations would know His power. And so we, we claim, Joel 2.28, that in the last days your sons and your daughters and even your old men and your maidservants and your handservants and your servants, that everyone will know the power and experience the grace and the power of God. I'm going to ask Thomas Summers to come right now. He is a, a remarkable testimony of God's healing power that just happened in early October and as usual, I just found out about it a couple days ago, or he would have been up here before. All right. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Thomas Summers. I moved here with my family about five years ago. I was born and not able to see the color red. Anything that was red looked green to me. I had to use deductive reasoning to tell the difference between red and green. It was the night of Tuesday, October 3rd. It was a normal night. I was sitting on my couch, then all of a sudden, something caught my attention. I saw a color that I had never seen before. So I ran downstairs to my mom and asked her what color it was. She told me it was red. God healed my eyes, and now I can see the color red. The world is a much brighter place, and I thank God. God bless you, God. Let me give you a hug. Yeah. God bless you. Yes. Gold medal of achievement winner, baseball player, classical pianist, wears a bow tie, although I've not seen him do that very much anymore, plays keyboards, a praying mom and dad who have been faithful to the house of God, committed him early on, and his mom, Pam, uh, Pam and uh, Tom, I want you to stand if you would. We just want to thank you today. Just stand if you would. Thank you. Yes. Amen. God bless you. And what, what color dress is Pam wearing? Red. Red. You may be seated. So she told me about that this week. And she said that, 
she said um, a lot of things concerned her, and she began to pray. She began to pray what I call prayers of desperation, not prayers of despair, but prayers of desperation. The prayer of desperation is a prayer of faith. It's the same heart that the widow with the issue of blood had who'd suffered for 18 years, and she went through that crowd somehow to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and when she touched his garment, he felt the healing virtue flow out of his body, and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? Everyone's touching you. He said, no, someone touched me. And there was faith that she had. And Pam told me that she began to pray because she was concerned. Her son Thomas uh, now is driving. He's 16 years of age. And how many know on the stoplight there are how many colors? (laughs) Red, yellow, and green. And how many know if you see green all the time, that could be an issue? And she said, Hi, Thomas, what are you doing? And he said something like, well, I'm, I'm guessing. How many know guessing's not enough if your kids are driving, you know? She began to pray. She began to lay hold of God for this next generation. They've been faithful to God, but Lord, you're his creator. Lord, you're his healer. She researched what colorblindness was about, and, and I won't go into all that, but She said, I prayed, and she said, I stopped wearing red, and I think Pam is made for red. You know what I'm saying? She just stopped wearing red. And then a few weeks ago, he came down, and he said, what color is this? I love that. How how would you like to discover a new color that you'd never seen, particularly a primary color? And she said, the Lord had healed his eyes. We claim, we claim at Grace Assembly of God that all generations will know the power of God. It is not an empty power, but is a living power by the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. He overcame death, hell, and the grave for you and for me, and we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Praise His name. Praise God. He also said that I may know the fellowship, the koinonia of His sufferings. Boy, that, that's something that, that's a surprise. It's something that, at first glance, that doesn't make sense. It's something that almost grabs you by the throat. What do you mean? I understand the power of the resurrection. I understand being made, being found in Him. I understand about righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. But God, I didn't know. What is this fellowship of your sufferings? The koinonia of His sufferings. There are times in our walk with Jesus Christ and in the life of a church because we're in a spiritual battle that God calls upon us to stand strong and to stand firm. And sometimes the battle wages hot and hard and heavy. Sometimes we suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ so that the cross can be planted and the gospel can go forth. There is a fellowship in that suffering with Jesus Christ. 
on this Veterans Day, yesterday, I understand that the soldiers who have served, those who have served in combat, that there is a fellowship that's described as a band of brothers that links them together. You can't duplicate that. There are times that the Lord Jesus Christ as the captain of our salvation calls us to go through some difficult times. Or the enemy starts lobbing mortars on the church of Jesus Christ. You all know some of the story that uh, Grace went through an incredible, incredible firefight with heavy artillery and bombs exploding and landmines about 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago now, thank God. Thank God that's in the rearview mirror. Thank God. Thank God for the fellowship of His sufferings. What I can say with full assurance that when we went through that suffering for His namesake, that Jesus Christ was with us in the foxhole. Can someone say amen? He brought us through. What I can also say is that those that that the enemy used and were terrible things against the church, there's no presence of Jesus in that. But where He leads and guides, where we follow Him, there's the koinonia of the fellowship of His sufferings. But it was because that Jesus suffered on the cross and the fruit of the cross is salvation and many people going to heaven. Can someone say amen? And so when we were urged to close the doors and sell the church and do all these other things, there's no reward in throwing in the towel. There's no reward in waving the right flag of surrender. I don't trust my enemies. How about you? I don't trust that they're going to be good to me if I cave in, sell out, sue for peace. We move forward in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus and the fruit of our sufferings, the fellowship of our sufferings for Christ has redounded into not only hundreds but thousands of people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ and scores of kids even to this day. We saw the fruit of that suffering. Can someone say amen? Praise God. No, I'm not looking for another fight. I'm not looking for another time like that. But I do know this, that wherever He leads, we will follow. And when we follow Him, we will know the, the, the koinonia or the fellowship of what it means to be led by the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Praise His name. Paul said, one thing I do, the third thing I want to share with you, that we press for the prize. said, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's the picture of an athlete that presses forward. It's the picture of the athlete that 
would run a marathon and understand it's 26 miles, not 15 miles. Every step must be run. And we, like Paul, realize that we have been laid hold of, or we run so that we can lay hold of, lay hold for what Christ has laid hold of us. We press on. Christ has laid hold of us for something. Praise God. There are times in the middle of the night I wake up. There is a song in my heart. There is thankfulness in my heart. There is rejoicing. There is praise to God. There is prayer in my heart that Jesus Christ has laid hold of Grace Assembly of Bel Air for a specific purpose. And He has invited you and me to participate in that. I'm telling you, there is a song in the night. The athlete runs to lay hold of that for which he's been laid hold of. The soldier fights for his country because he has been laid hold of something. My understanding is that that officers, they take an oath of allegiance and obedience And they served their country. Remember Colin Powell was was a a great and well-known soldier. He was called out of retirement. And the president called him. He had served his time. He said these words. Someone asked him why I went. And he said, the president called. My country called. He'd been laid hold of something in his life. Grace Assembly of God, when we began this journey, when God put it in our heart, my heart, and subsequently my wife's heart, that this would be a church that was a spirit-filled church, that would be a relevant church, that We would exist. Our primary target would be to reach families and adults with children who are preschool or in school. That's what our primary purpose was. What's happened, this is what I've seen in ministry. Whenever you you press forward to lay hold of what Christ Jesus has laid hold of you for, you will reach reach a whole lot more people than that fall in that demographic. How many know what I'm talking about? You aim at the target, but there's a whole lot of people that might be grandparents and they have no one else in the church, but they like the spirit and the love that's going on. And praise God for that. So we press forward for this. We say, Lord, continue to lay hold of us. But Paul said, I also forget what lies behind and I reach for what lies ahead. Out in the lobby... We have a memorial. This is the last Sunday it'll be up for 25 years. Our first 25 years. And there's a gold shovel out there. And it's gold because we painted it gold. We bought a $3 can of gold paint. But that shovel's not worn out. We're going to use that shovel again. 
That's not a one and done shovel. That's a shovel that symbolizes what God wants to do through this church. And we praise God for what lies behind, but we're not building a memorial for the last 25 years. We're not camping at this memorial. We're moving on. The memorial for witness in Joshua. I believe it's Joshua chapter 4 is when they crossed the Jordan and they built a memorial so that in future generations they would know that God had brought them through. But that was only the beginning of the promised land. These first 25 years, we give thanks to God for it. No one can take it. It is ours. It's hard won. It's hard fought. There's been prayer. There's been sacrifice. There's been wonderful people. But all that is, we thank God, it's all for the glory of Jesus Christ. But it's to get us to where we are right now so we can continue building. Praise His name. That's what this is about. And so as the runner cannot afford to keep looking backward, now is not the time to rest on our laurels and our accomplishments, but to build on what God has enabled so far. And the prize is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Mm. One day, either by rapture or by death, we will stand face to face before him. I long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I long to hear that when the going got tough, that you got going. I long to hear that you said, you put your foot down, and this is where you took your stand. Paul concludes with verse 20. He said this. He said, for our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also, we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We press forward because our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await Him. John chapter 13, the night that Jesus was betrayed. You recall that. It was the scene of the Passover. And they had a room. A room they found. But there's no host. And all the disciples came in. They're all standing around. There's no servant to wash feet. The feet, that's what was customary, a servant or host, someone to wash the feet of people that were there. And, and this outfit, they're standing there looking at each other with their hands in their pocket, or excuse me, in their tunics. And no one's running for the basin and the towel. But the Bible says this, John 13, But Jesus, knowing He had come from the Father and was going to the Father, He loved them to the very end, and He took the towel and girded Himself, and He began to wash the disciples' feet. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm a citizen of the United States of America, and I'm very proud of that. But my address and my citizenship is not 508 Plumtree Road. It's in heaven. One day, you and I will see him face to face. One day, the last service will be had. The last sermon will be preached. The last song will be sung. We'll stand face to face. And in that day, my desire is that we will have a story to tell. A story for the generations behind us 
for generations to come and for eternity. You and I will never regret the investments that we make in God's kingdom, in God's vision. And I close with this. May those who come behind us find us faithful. May those who come behind us find us faithful. When the remix kids in a year or two or more go to college, may they be inspired by our faith. One of the young men, one of the young men heard about that's in from Grace, that's in the university, heard about Jen now. He wasn't even asked. And he said, I'm making a pledge. And these little kids in hard hats, one day, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, when they sit in those pews, if the Lord tarries, may they look back and say, because they're faithful, we're here, and they've shown us the way, and we're going to go forward because God's faithful, but they were faithful too. Praise His name.